Welcome everyone. Welcome to those of you here in person at the Temple of Light at Ananda Village, and welcome to those watching online. I am Nayaswami Pranabha, and this is Nayaswami Parvati. It's a joy to be with you. This reading is taken from Rays of the One Light with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. Today's topic is How Devotees Rise. Truth is one and eternal. Realize one with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week we asked the question, why do devotees fall? And we considered the downfall of Judas in this context. Jesus, in answer to Judas's criticism for allowing Mary to rub his feet with spikenard, a very costly ointment, said, the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is saying here that there is one supreme injustice that needs eradication. Poverty, yes, but not of a material kind. Poverty in a spiritual sense. Divine blessings are not common in this world. They are extraordinary. When they come, we should give them priority above every other consideration. Never allow a moment of inner joy, for instance, to be set aside for lesser duties. Divine attunement is our highest priority. As Lahiri Mahashai said, the guru of Yogananda's guru, to listen to the heart's inner sound, Om, which issues from the very center of your being, is man's highest duty. Mary, on this occasion, was not communing in inner silence with Christ's spirit, as she had been when Martha urged that she be reproached by Jesus for not helping out in the kitchen. Mary, this time, was serving outwardly, but in a very different spirit from the restless fussing for which Jesus had reprimanded her sister Martha. Those who see a radical difference between the paths of action and meditation should understand this distinction. To serve in the right spirit is necessary, for only thereby can we overcome our karmic tendencies toward restless activity. The important thing is that the spirit be allowed inwardly to be focused, that in everything we do, we act in loving service to the Lord. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, the state of freedom from action, that is, the eternal rest in the spirit, cannot be achieved without action. No one, by mere renunciation and outward non-involvement, can attain perfection. Whenever the Spirit of God descends upon you, however, remember the words of Jesus, me ye have not always with you. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. I also would like to welcome everyone and I'll read from Whispers from Eternity. Yogananda's beautiful book of prayer demands. 
I baptize myself in the waters of my tears of love. Through long, winding pathways of self-doubt, fording mighty rivers that separated thee from me, trudging over endless wastes of barren lives, tossing dangerously on the rapids of many ambitions, arduously climbing steep mountain trails of desire, and carefully extricating myself from whirlpools of alternating sadness and hilarity, at last I have reached my journey's end. I look upon all those past travails with joy. Every struggle, every past agony has produced a flowing spring of joyous, grateful tears. In the sacred waters of those tears, I baptize myself daily with deep love for thee. I hadn't uh, remembered that particular uh, whisper for a long time, but it's very beautiful and it really captures really where all of us here, everybody online, where we're all at. I mean, we've, it's an extraordinary time. The blessings that we receive from God are extraordinary, and they're happening constantly in this time. We're on a path, we've said, we're on the path of self-realization. Well, as Swami Kriyananda said to us, delusion will not let you go very easily. So once we make that declaration, and really I'm talking to people who have been on the path for decades, maybe a few years, and maybe are just walking in the door and liking what you hear. <laughs> but really, for all of us, it's a time to take note and be aware. As Swami Kriyananda said in, the, in that reading, the blessings of God that come are not common, they are extraordinary. And we at Ananda and people associated with our spiritual family have experienced that. Don't let them just go by and say, oh yeah, that happened. This temple is one of them. <laughs> it was an actual miracle of God that it was completed and that we had an incredible blessing of gathering, celebrating 50 years of Ananda with 700 to 900 people here on this property for a week. <laughs> and it was televised. So anyway, but just for us to take note, be aware, I thought the quality of awareness is so important. It goes with how do devotees rise? Well, you get your energy going and keep it up and you become aware, aware of your own inner struggles and your victories, aware of what's going on around you, but most of all, aware of God's presence in everything. God is the underlying spirit that combines, that unites all the diversity in the world. It's all one. And interestingly enough, in America, we have that saying, I believe, on the dollar bill, e pluribus unum, 
out of many, one. And, you know, we might say, oh, well, yeah, I've heard that before. That's a, you know, a usual thing. Well, just recently I got interested in listening to uh, some of the uh, uh, things that happened in the beginning of this country, which is a very young country. It's not even 250 years old. It's very, very young. But I was reading this, or not reading, listening to, watching, uh, a program called Liberty. It was made uh, in 1997 or something. But it, it is about the beginning of the revolution in America. But it, it's unique in that it's not a dramatization. It uses all the letters, speeches, and words of the people at that time. And it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, I was really, I, I remembered it kind of, but watching it again, I thought, wow, this is really, just to realize the concepts that was, were being introduced by the colonists and the people of that time were absolutely stunning. The Declaration of Independence starts out, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That, my friends, in 1776 was just, huh? <laughs> Every single country in the, in the world that was major was ruled by a king or a queen, a shogun, an emperor, somebody was ruling subjects. They were subjected to the whims and good or bad leadership of those people that were involved. And right under them were the higher classes, and under them, lower, you know, classes again. And it was interesting to me. And, and at that time, England was one of the most, it was the most powerful country in the world. And the colonies were 13 little uh, states along the, the Atlantic coast that each considered themselves their own country. So if you said, oh, what country are you from? Massachusetts. Oh, or Virginia, or New Jersey. You know, they were, they were so separate, but they had really enjoyed liberty for a while, enough to get a taste of that, that they, they wanted it. They, they, the people, didn't really know what that meant, but this program is very interesting because it lays out just what happened and the stages in which it happened. One, the British thought this Declaration of Independence is laughable. I mean, really, we're the most powerful nation in the world, and you, 13 little colonies, are going to declare your independence from us? No, that won't happen. And they were also insulted because they had just fought a long French and Indian war and, and helped the colonists, you know. But, but it was more about that concept of liberty, of freedom, and people, they, they kind of knew they wanted it, but when people started dying, because the British said, oh, no problem, we'll just send thousands of troops over and ships and, you know, all of that, and we'll just knock you out and, you know, first battle. And, and it didn't, it was interesting because what happened 
when people started dying and that first battle happened was they said, oh, wait a minute. We, we want liberty. You know, they went the opposite direction rather than, than feeling like, oh my God, what have we done? They, they said, no, no, we, we really want this. And so they had to be, I mean, it was, it was a long process, let's just say that. It took six or seven years for that war of independence to play itself out. And it was not pretty. You know, George Washington was in charge of the, the so-called army, which he said, this is not an army. This is a, a group of farmers and tradesmen and business people, and they all have their own muskets and guns, and some of them have forklifts, you know, fork, what is it? Pitchforks, yeah. Anyway, you know, and they have no discipline, and they're all from separate states, and they're not an army, you know, and so he had to deal with all of that. And interestingly enough, in his initial battles, he, he lost, lost, and lost, and lost, and he only, out of nine battles, George Washington won two, I believe, but they were decisive. And what he, he was somebody who wanted to have an army and confront the British, and, and he realized he couldn't do that. He had to become a fox, not just a, a commander of people, because they wouldn't be commanded. He had to make them become an army, and, and then he had to be foxy in how he dealt with the British. And so for a long time, after one of the major battles, he just simply got his troops together and they just kept moving back from the British. And the British were, how I think was the general, and they were, you know, f advancing, and, and then the Americans would be gone. They'd see their backs, they'd, they'd move on. But what they were doing was it was called a war of attrition because they were using up all their supplies, the British were, as they went along. And it, it kept going on and on. And one of the, the speeches or the letters from the general, the British general was, I don't understand these Americans. Every time we, we try to engage them, all we see are their backs. So they were just, but Washington knew what he was doing. And then there came a time when there was a big decisive battle and they won and that kind of just opened the British up to the fact that this was not gonna be a war they could win. It was overseas, they were deeply in debt. The reason I'm telling you all of this is because it kind of reminded me of how we deal with our spiritual life in that we, uh, you know, we come on the path and we think, oh boy, I'm gonna be liberated in six months, you know, it'll just won't, it, you know, I've got all the techniques and the support and now I'm living at Ananda or I'm part of a group or, you know, meditation group or whatever and things are great. And then we run up against ourselves. <laughs> and big thing, ego, you know, big, big, big. And so the, for everybody, we all laugh because that's, that's what it's about, you know? It's not about winning, it's about eventually transforming yourself so that you do win the big battle, which, which comes after you lay the groundwork. 
And the laying of that groundwork, it just takes time. And you really have to pace yourself. You know, a lot of times we'll say, you know, this is a long distance run. And it really is because we're talking about the battle of life is, is inner. It's about us transforming ourselves. And so little by little, what I've felt and what I see in my guru bhais is that you build a base that's stronger. And in the beginning, you don't have that base. You know, you don't really know much. And so, but you begin to build a base from which you can operate and from which you can move out into unknown territory. And you can begin to fight battles that, um, as Swami Kriyananda said, you know, it's good in the beginning to fight the battles you know you can win. <laughs> you know, pick your battles, in other words, and really look at what will work. Use common sense and look at the things that you'd like to move along, you'd like to establish. In the beginning, it can be things about your physical surroundings, you know, it can be about your, your diet and, you know, yoga postures and, you know, just getting your health together and, and kind of establishing a routine with meditation that you actually do meditate every day and, you know, <laughs> that you actually do that. Because all of those things, they're what lays the groundwork for us to be able to fight those bigger battles and to become uh, victorious. You know, as we, as we fight a battle and win it, it, it adds strength to us. But we're just biding our time, not biding our time, that's not the right phrase. We're building our strength. And for what? The bigger battles. Because for each of us, our karma, uh, how we've come into this lifetime, there will be bigger battles. I mean, of course there will be. And, uh, you know, you need to uh, be prepared for those and also just to um, have the tools to make it possible to win those battles. And so uh, the things that I was remembering and thinking about just things that Swami Kriyananda, how he lived his life and things that he said to us. Sometimes, and he said this about Master, about Yogananda, he said sometimes the small things that he said were more important than the obvious, bigger things. And one thing that Swami Kriyananda said that I've always remembered, and it's, it's not an easy one to use, but it's very, very important, is when you make a mistake, when you make a mistake, not if, when, you know, we're all, we're all mixed. If you're uh, exploring spiritually, that's what it's about. You have to be willing to make mistakes and, and rectify that and move on. But when you make a mistake that you say, it happened. In other words, neutralizing, attempting to anyway, neutralize, oh no, oh great, you know, whatever, but neutralizing the reactions. And so it happened like, okay, something, you know, I did something really bad 
and everybody saw it. And so, how, what am I going to do with that? Well, I'll, I'll say, if I can remember and do it, it happened. Not to excuse what you did, but to put it in a neutral space so that you can then, rather than reacting, you can then choose how to face it, how to gain from it, how to grow from it, how to move forward. And, and another thing, so that's a very important and useful tool. It happened. And then let's try to deal with the rest of it. In other words, if we allow ourselves, and everybody does this, down you go. Guilt. You know, oh no, I did it, and everybody saw I feel so bad, and you know, I feel so bad, you know. But the energy really drops. And interestingly enough, I was also remembering that when Swami Kriyananda introduced the superconscious living exercises, one of the one of the charts that was introduced, and he talked about this, he said, you know, when you're facing a big test, the energy is like this, the test is big, and you have to meet that to get the most out of that test. You have to raise your energy up to where it needs to go. And most of the time, we're saying, oh no, you know, the energy drops, and we don't, we don't meet it. And I just want that image to kind of stick in your mind and to work with it. These are things that are not easy to do, but they really work if you can remember and, and start small. Small things happen, meet it. Oh, look what I did, you know. And, and you raise your energy. You find, if you can do that, that you gain the most from it. You understand the test, and you also are able to gain from it energy rather than losing energy completely. So it's a very, a very helpful thing. And then other things which, um, you know, are natural are uh, right satsang, uh, to grow spiritually, to keep moving along, uh, that we have, and really mainly with the guru, with, with the gurus, really, that they're the ones that when we're having a hard time, first, yeah, that you go, and you say, Master, wow, this happened. I, I'm not quite sure how to deal with it. Or I'm afraid, or I'm angry, or I'm, I'm really involved, or you know, whatever it might be that's off, you know, that's pulling the energy down, that you say, help me with this. And the next very vital part is that you have one or two friends that also will help you with that as well. Real friends, spiritual friends. You know, that, that will say, okay, well, maybe here's another better way to look at this, you know, that will come in with an energy that's really helpful. And then um, another one is to make a plan. Figure out what you're going to do. How will I actually deal with this moving forward? And sometimes that will come later. But if you can start the energy, think about it even, to make a plan right away, that also helps lift the energy. Your own energy lifts it up. 
and uh, and just to remember one thing I've also found very helpful is to remember what brought you on the spiritual path. I know that may seem a little off kilter, but the energy with which we come on the path is also the energy which can sustain us in hard times. And so just to keep in mind what that, how we were feeling at the time that we came on the path and how we can use that, that momentum, that inspiration moving forward. I also wanted to share along the lines, because this, this reading brings up a couple of different points. And uh, one of them is that idea that we need to be aware of the grace that's coming to us, of the extraordinary blessings that we are receiving, maybe every day, who knows, if we're aware. But uh, I just was remembering this instance where um, we went, uh, and it's about the man, uh, Pastor Richard Wormbrandt, and uh, he was traveling around California in 1978, I believe. And uh, we went to see him, a little group of us up in Chico. He was giving a talk. And I remember at the time just feeling like the people he was talking to, I felt like he was trying to wake them up. <laughs> you know, he was so strong and just, you know, trying to get them going and talking about all the people that were suffering and they should know about it. And, and people were just pretty quiet sitting there. So I don't know that it was working or what he felt about it. But then about a month or two later, uh, he came to a local school in town and a Christian school. And a whole bunch of us, because Swami had talked to us about him and just really appreciated his courage and his spiritual energy in, in very dire circumstances in Romania in prison. And, uh, and so a bunch of us went. Swami went, and there were probably, I don't know, 60 of us that, that went. And they had a little dinner ahead of time. And we just, you know, we let them know we were coming. But, but as it turned out, when Richard Rembrandt went to give his talk, we were sitting in front of him because there were so many of us. And the rest of the people, the Christians, were sitting behind him <laughs> from this school. And so when he spoke, the thing that really impressed me was it was a completely different talk. And he really was looking at Swami Kriyananda pretty much the whole time. I happened to be sitting behind Swami. And so it was like, wow, he's just talking to Swami. But, but what happened was he started talking about his experiences. And uh, he talked about things that were like listening to, you know, the sound, you know, that comes and it's of, of Jesus. And, and then he told a story, very brief, about a man who was very old and was still in prison in Romania. And he said, this brother could be free today if he said three words, I deny Christ. And he said, and I thought he'd take off in a 
totally different direction. But, but he said, and that brother, he can't do that because you see, he is Christ. He, 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 you know, he's become that. So who is to deny who? I mean, I was sitting there going, whoa, <laughs> what is he saying? He's a Christian, you know, this is not how Christians would talk. But it was a deeply, I found it deeply inspiring. And, and at a certain point, he, he kind of came to and he looked at Swami and he looked at all of us and he said, are all the women in, in your community beautiful? Are they required to be beautiful? <laughs> and Swami laughed and he said, no, they become so. They become so. But anyway, but, but the reason I'm saying that, one, for just the, the story in itself, but other people came there and I mentioned it to someone and they said, oh, gosh, I, I didn't remember that. I was like thrilled. It was so in, inspiring. And, but, but another person from Ananda said, no, I, I don't really remember all of that. <laughs> anyway, aware, be aware. I mean, maybe that was just for me, for Swami, for a few people, I don't know. But be aware of what, what God is giving you and the uh, miracles and the blessings, the grace that's happening all the time. And so just to, and, and with, tests with how we, how devotees rise, you have to use common sense. George Washington played a role of attrition with the British. <laughs> and sometimes we have to do that with our tests. We have to look at the test and we have to say, I'm not ready yet to do that. You know, I'm not ready to face that yet. So I'm aware, I'm not gonna forget about it, but I'm not quite ready, it's too big. And so we build our strength and we come back to it later. We don't, in other words, it kind of diminishes in, in largeness as we build the light in us. That's how it works, you know. It's that we build that light and then the, the tests seem smaller because we're bigger, we're stronger, we're able to deal with it in a better way. So those are just some, some thoughts and really to um, try at all costs and try very hard not to get caught in guilt and you know, feeling bad and wallow. I remember at one point I did do that. This was many years ago, I did that. And I thought, okay, so now you've got to crawl back up out of this hole. You know, you dig yourself down into a hole and then mentally you have to lift yourself back up again. So you can do as you like, but nice to bypass the deep holes and just, just keep going. And you know, quite frankly, the deep holes are, they're almost inevitable. We'll, we'll make the mistakes, it's how we learn. But to know that we are incredibly blessed in this lifetime. We have a path that is clear, that is loving, that is supportive, that you have guru bhais all over the world to help people in their spiritual lives. So take advantage of it all. Enjoy your spiritual life and be very aware of those spiritual blessings that are happening for you all the time, every day. Oh, Miss Agri, 
silent 